A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Flimsy stand slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable, North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O dot com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Thursday. And welcome to another Andy Goldstein's TalkSport Daily Podcast. Maybe I should speed that up because you hear it every single time. Hello and welcome to another Andy Goldstein's TalkSport. No, I can't speed it up. So you just have to... Now I'm going to have to say it twice. And now you're thinking, I wish you would have said it right the first time, but there's nothing I think. Oh, well, you know it's Andy Goldstein's TalkSport Daily Podcast. Anyway, so there's no point. And we start with the White and Sawyer Show. And Clinton Morrison, he was alongside. He wasn't the guest. Well, he was a guest. Anyway, they spoke exclusively to the PFA chief exec, Gordon Taylor. How's he still got a job? Beyond me. Anyway, in a fierce encounter, Jim offered the PFA boss a chance to respond to the scrutiny his organisation has come under for hiring an accountancy firm to look into the club's finances. If players are being asked to take cuts and take deferrals, they have a right to know the situation of the club. It's as simple as that. But... Salary caps, do you not think now, inevitable, in the, certainly in the championship, Gordon, because some of these clubs at the moment, are uh, they're on their knees financially. Jim, can I just say, we've been dealing with clubs going into financial trouble throughout the last four decades. There must be some 70 clubs who faced administration and we have a football creditor rule to make sure that we were concerned that when Barry were allowed to be promoted, they haven't paid wages that they owed to players. They've not paid monies that they owed to clubs on transfer fees. Basically, the football creditor rule is very strong and it's about the integrity of the game and that no club can reform without paying the debts they owe to players and without paying the debts they owe to clubs. It's for the integrity of the competition. There's also been financial fair play. We have seen what happens when there's salary caps in rugby. You've seen what's happened with Saracens. You've seen yeah, what happened yeah, in other yeah. sports. You see, you know what happened when it was a maximum wage in football. I was a youngster getting autographed in outside a hotel in Manchester when the whole of the Sunderland club were drawn up there before yeah. uh, taking under the counter payments. Yeah, we but Gordon, but right now though, things. you, you and I both know. We want things to be open and this financial fair play and of course it's about income and expenditure. I know, but Gordon, the cl- the, for, the clubs at, for the clubs at the moment, it's all about survival and you're examining owners' wealth. No, not wealth of owners, the state of play of the football club so that the players can appreciate if they're asked to take deferrals or cuts, then they can see the exact position and appreciate it. Well, let me, let me ask you this, Gordon. Given that there's no vaccine, it's a distinct possibility no fans means vast revenues lost. So where's that money going to come from? Well, clearly the game is being in shutdown. When they talk about the season's not a sprint, it's a marathon. This has gone on for some time. This is a unique situation. The game has 
the game has survived. It survived two world wars. It survived the problems with the 80s, the tragedies of the 80s. It survived when ITV Digital uh, financially made a big impact on the game. And uh, the game's got to show resilience. But, of course, it's not got to be reckless, and it's as simple as that. No, I understand. But if football does go behind closed doors, Gordon, especially in the Football League, Will you advise your members that pay cuts are inevitable? We're not certain even uh, what the situation is, so it's hypothetical. My members know if there's not games played, there's no income coming in, either from television receipt, either from television income, uh, broadcasting income, and gate receipts and sponsorship money. But that it's going to be a, a, it's going to be assessed throughout the whole country. Every profession there's. There's people not working. The government are paying half the wages of the populate working population at the moment. It's a unique time, and basically, you've got to adjust your economy into what you've got. Now, the Grimsby Town Manager Ian Holloway joined the wonderful Laura Woods, Freddie Flintoff, and Darren Bent on the Breakfast Show yesterday morning to discuss the possible restart of English football. He told them that trying to resume the season now it just isn't safe. It's invisible you don't know it you can have it you and you you don't know so it, that's what's so ludicrous about this you know you could have infected someone made them ill killed them you might just brush it off in a couple of days and yet they've lost their light so how how can we possibly until there's a vaccine until the government who actually say look it's safe to do that now how can we even dream about you've got you've got health ministers having to resign because they've broke the rules and went to their holiday homes. How can we say that it's safe to let football players go back and play football? And staying with The Breakfast Show is Freddie Flintoff with a story about dinner with Desmond Tutu or score draw as some of us refer to him as. Ex-England captains get an honorary life membership. But the brilliant news was I got given it on the same day as Desmond Tutu. <laughs> so, time to time. Amazing. No, we, we, did, we, did, we didn't get it in person together, although on a tour once I did have dinner with Desmond Tutu. Right? Who have you and not had dinner with? This is amazing. Was, this, it gets better, this story. It was a charity do in a winery, Elton John, for his foundation, and I was sat on the table with him and Desmond Tutu. And I tell you what, Desmond Tutu is an absolute legend. He was one of the funniest men. He just held court on the table all the way through dinner, singing along to Elton's songs. He was brilliant. Time now to hear from the Rangers boss and Liverpool legend Stephen Gerrard, or Gerrard, I'm not sure. Stephen Gerrard. Stephen Gerrard. I think it's Gerrard, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, he was with Jim White, Natalie Soy and Clinton Morrison discussing all matters relating to restarting the season, closing the gap on Celtic and the job Jurgen Klopp is doing at Liverpool. I want to ask you what you think is the best case scenario for a return in Scotland. Well, for, for, for myself and I think everyone at Rangers is on the same page, I think what we wanted was to give it the best chance they can. Um, there was a, certainly a difference from... The view from the Premier League and the AFL that they wanted to wait and give 
this season every single chance to be played out. Now, look, we all know and respect the fact that there might become a stage where that is, is impossible to happen. We get that. But there seems to be an almighty rush from where we were to, to finish it and get it done and get the votes in as soon as possible. Yeah, that, didn't yeah. sit, that didn't sit well at all. So, uh, for me, our view hasn't changed on it at Rangers. We want to get back playing and finish the season off when it's physically safe to do that because we all respect the, the situation that we're in. Um, but there seems to be a huge difference in in attitude towards the current season. You know, down in the north, the Premier League were coming out saying we'll do everything we can to finish it off. I think all the clubs and the managers initially were were on the same page. You know, it's very important that you finish competitions off. And across Scotland, from top to bottom, there was so much football to be played in. Now, of course, I'm always going to be biased because I'm Rangers manager. And, you know, there's a 13-point gap that I respect, but I want to continue to put as much pressure onto the end. But in every league, so many other clubs had so much to play for. And we felt as if he was an almighty rush to just finish it straight away rather than giving it the best chance to be finished. Yeah, I just want to talk about your old club, Liverpool, mate. What do you think of um, their season so far? They've had a terrific season and I'm sure you want this season to end <laughs> because they're definitely going to win the title. <laughs> Well, well, look, I've been listening to Jürgen Klopp and I've actually bumped into him quite a lot. He lives down the road from me and um, it's the first question, you know, I, I asked him when we spoke and, and of course, I'm sure Jürgen's eager to get back playing when it's safe to do so to try and finish off uh, the remainder of their season. But in terms of Liverpool, how they've been uh, for a few years now, I think they've been extremely strong. You know, they ran City ever so close last year. Uh, a team that's been informed for, you know, a long time and I think the job Jürgen's done there has been incredible. Um it's so exciting to watch, you know, the mentality of the group, the whole group of 23-odd players that they've got. They all seem in the zone and, you know, they're such a difficult team to play against because they've got so many strengths all over the pitch. I know for a fact, I've watched you for years, when you played, we, we loved you. And you loved the club you played for. Where does yeah. Rangers, what, what place does Rangers have in your heart? Well, look, I think you, you, you start building relationships. I knew it was a top club from the outside. I was uh, lucky to get the opportunity to go up there. You know, in was it a bit early, of course, to get a job that size where I was at the time, you know, just still learning the academy. Um, but they've gave me an opportunity to try and learn on the job. Now, I know I haven't got everything right and I've made some mistakes along the way, but I think there was a, an openness that that would be the case. I don't think anyone's expected me to go in and all of a sudden be a, a, a top-class manager. It is something that you've got to get better at. The only way to get experience is to do it. Uh, which is what I've tried to do. And um, no, listen, I mean, my relationship with Rangers is strong. It, uh, it's growing, it, of course. It's got a place in my heart. Uh, Liverpool will always be my team. I don't think anyone would argue against me. I was there for many, many years, all the way through, and had a, had a good career at there. So um, this is starting out. We're two years in, and uh, I'm hungry to continue doing it. Now, the brilliant German football expert, Kevin Hatchard joined Durham and Goffey on drive after the news broke that Angela Merkel had given the green light for the Bundesliga to resume this month. Madness that, that would never happen. Well, I tend to agree with you. Anyway, Kev said there was still no guarantee that the league would get finished. This is a fluid situation. So at the moment, great, green light, we've got the restart. However, if in Germany as a whole, infection rates start to climb and it does look as though um, more tests will be needed elsewhere. The DFL have stated, and everybody's well aware, that the season may have to be interrupted for a second time. So at the moment, it's good news for football fans and the clubs, and, and great, and we hope that all will go well. But there's no absolute guarantee now 
that the season will be completed. Now, one of my favourite shows on TalkSport is, of course, Hawksby and Jacobs, Monday to Friday from 1pm. Why is it not your favourite? Well, it's mine, obviously, but it's a close second. Here are the best bits from their show yesterday. Good afternoon, Paul. And uh, I see baseball has restarted in South Korea with a cardboard cutout crowd. They look great. And Arsenal apparently quite excited. They think it'll improve the atmosphere at the Emirates. Oh, come on. It's shooting fish in a barrel time. (laughs) We start down that route. Do you want news from South Korea? It's got to be. Sonny, uh, Sonny's military training. Uh, they've they've taken some pictures of him. How's it going? Him. Well, he's he's number one three six. He was uh, pictured in his bulletproof helmet. Uh, it, returning to boot camp after finishing a rifle exercises. He's in the Marine Corps on the Jeju Island, and uh, it's all part of his three week service. So he'll come back. He'll be, he'll be able to fire a gun. He's going to be tear gas. So if we get Millwall away in the cup, <laughs> we'll be laughing, won't we? He'll be he'll be ready to rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Only and, kidding, uh, Millwall Professor, fans. I know, I know um, things have changed. So I was looking at the birthday. Congratulations for a baby boy to Charles and Miranda Corn. Yeah. Corn, how are they going to raise him? Hey? That's, 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 that's very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Colonel Tom Moore has uh, rightly been awarded a gold Blue Peter badge, which nice. is tremendous. How he deserves it. But some of the other people, amongst the other people who've got it, the Queen, Sir David Attenborough, and Mary Berry. Why has Mary Berry got a gold Blue Peter badge? What, for baking a few cakes? Oh, I, I think I, I'd ask for that back. Only you could get that annoyed at someone getting a gold. I mean, what does it mean, a gold blue Peter badge? You're not paying for it. Nothing. It's not like the gold. It's not. It doesn't. They don't take money out of your bank account to buy it and send it to it, do they? It's just, it's just a mark of respect. Now, the Aston Villa chief exec, Christian Perslow, who's confirmed he's against playing Premier League matches on neutral territory. Perslow was speaking on The Breakfast Show with the wonderful Laurel Woods. It's like the Grand National that sort of started in Aitree in March and we're going to restart it, but we're restarting it at Ascot, not at Aintree, and and the horses aren't quite the same and and when jockeys are sick, they change as well. So we've got a a radically different product that we're all trying to find a way to put back on and a neutral grounds, which was revealed on on Friday as something that we're going to have to look at carefully, is just one example. Um, Personally, I'm against it. You know, we're a club that prides itself on our on our uh, on our home form. I think we're the third. I think two thirds of our results this season have uh, our wins this season have come at home. We've got six home games left to play, so I think any Villa fan would agree that um, you know giving up that advantage is a massive decision for somebody running running Aston Villa, and I, I certainly wouldn't agree to that unless the circumstances were right. And staying with the breakfast show, and staying with Woodsy, with a story about me. Andy Goldstein, making a receptionist go and buy makeup and put it on me. Yeah, do you remember? That did actually happen. And bizarrely, it wasn't for telly. It was just I was going out on a Saturday night. Andy Goldstein, who's a presenter on this station, he does uh, Sports Bar, which is one of my favourite shows and has been get for about 10 get years. That, get that out there before your story comes out. <laughs> Andy Goldstein. <laughs> he used to have this thing. Um, he, he, lo- he loved sweets, so he used to make all the... Um, the makeup lady used to look after him and, and bring him sweets all the time. And um, I always remember one day he didn't... We didn't have a makeup lady for Premier League sneaker, and he was so worried about it. Um, and he made one of the girls. I I couldn't do it actually because at the time I wasn't a runner anymore. I was a producer. Um, so this was after a couple of years. But he did. He made um, the girl that worked at the leisure centre where we were doing Premier League snooker. She went to the local supermarket, 
and she bought makeup and then she did his makeup because he had to have makeup. So basically no. she left her post as the receptionist on the on the door, went to Tesco's, bought some makeup and then did his makeup for him. Absolute diva. Simon Jordan here. You and I both listening to the TalkSport Daily Podcast. Now, of course, it's time for the best bits of last night's sports bar. And, of course, I'm recording this before the show, so I don't know how good a show was. Oh, finally, you tell the truth. OK, but it was a great show. Now, I'm very excited to talk to our next guest. Of course, he's a former Man United legend. He won five Premier Leagues. Get this, two FA Cups, two League Cups, two Community Shield. Yeah, they count. And get this, two Champions Leagues. Unbelievable. I'm delighted to welcome to the show, Wes Brown. Hello, Wes. Good evening. Hey, Wes. How are you doing, lads? Oh, good for you. How are you coping with lockdown? What's going on? How are you dealing with it all? What are you watching on Netflix? What's going on? <laughs> the last dance watching on Netflix, mate. But yeah, been been okay. Kids do me head in a bit, but everything other than that's normal. The same as everyone else, really, lads. Wes, can you try and imagine what it must be like for, for these, these lads now at top clubs, being you know, forced into uh, to isolation, not been out of train with everyone. And it's been quite, it's been a very long time, actually. Yet there's talk now of, and I believe that they're going to try absolutely everything for the Premier League to return. Yet, yet first-class football could return in a matter of weeks behind closed doors. It kind of blows my mind a little bit that you can be on your own for so long, then you're going to be thrown together for a couple of weeks and then expected to play. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's going to be, well, it's a lot different to what we're normally used to. Um, I think it'll be tough at times. Obviously, I know the club's managers and coaches will be in contact with the players, you know, most days. I think it's probably easier for the for the first team, lads. I think it's more difficult for, like, youth teams and stuff, you know, that have, basically the season's been told that it's, you know, it's not happening. Um, sort of all go home, we'll give you some programmes and we'll sort of see you whenever we get restarted again but I'm sure the lads will want to get it um, up and going again I think it's good that maybe we can watch the Bundesliga do it first and see what mm. happens and see you know if it's the right thing to do is everybody safe you know are all the players actually up for it um, because you don't we don't really know that one yet how safe is it going to be and some players you know everyone has and different thoughts on it, but some players might not want to play. So there's, there's lots of things to take into consideration. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a weird, it's going to be a weird one. If it was you, Wes, if you were still a yeah. pro and you were asked by the club, irrelevant of what club you're at, and they said yeah. that Wes, football's coming back in two weeks. Some players yeah. are opting not to play. Some are. What would you vote for? I would probably play, but that's just my character. You would want all quite a lot of facts on it, though. But in general, I would be um, probably one of the ones who would play. But that's me being then selfish, because then it, mm. I'm guessing that's not, it's not just about me. It's about maybe I could have it and then pass it on to other people. That's the problem, you know, and that's where you, you, you probably would have to think about it. So my first reaction would be play. And then, you know, it would be important then to speak to my family and, and see what would happen from there, because there might be people in my family who wouldn't want me to. All I've rung up for is for you to sing happy birthday to me. To me? <laughs> yeah, no, to me. Not to you, to me. All right. When's your birthday? Win. That dumps. I'm guessing that dumped. Is, that, is, she, is she gone? She's gone. No, no, I ain't gone. Oh, she's still there. Don't swear. You're, you're live. Sure. Don't swear. Um, Have you had a present yet, no, Charlotte? I mean, we're... birthday to me. We're 18 minutes into your birthday. Have you received any present yet? Um, my mum sent me an early birthday present, like, two days ago. I didn't know who the hell it was from. And it was from Amazon. And it was a Diamante gin glass. I was like, who, who is this from? But anyway, 
All I want is for you to sing happy birthday to me. Who do you want to sing it, Jason or me? Don't That's it, again. it. Two and you're out. Two and you're two, gone. You can't be... You can't oh, drop two F-bombs. I mean, I know it's her birthday, and I understand that she's... You know, she's 31. You're only 31 once, apparently. Um, <laughs> but, yeah... But that's it for another podcast. I think good work, everyone. Reminder, of course, you can download previous shows or future ones via Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'll be back tonight for more of the same from 10pm with the Sports Bar and Old Moonface. In the meantime, have a great day. Keep your distance. Wash your hands. And above all, gang, be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from Talk Sport. 